Today's reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. And can I add my uh, special welcome? If this is your first time with us, it's really, really great to have you have you with us. Now, um, over the years, uh, working with the undergraduates here um, at HT, I've become quite used to being asked questions about how and why God uses particular people. Sometimes it's a budding young worship leader bounding out, wanting to know how they can be the next next Beth Croft or Matt Redman or whoever it is these days. Uh, sometimes it's an aspiring preacher who's read some autobiography about a great preacher of the generation and wants to know how they can be uh, be that. Or sometimes it's an enthusiastic evangelist uh, who wants to be the next Chucky Pullinger or Archbishop Sentamu or whoever it might be. And of course, um, this question of uh, how and why God uses people is not one that only students ask. Is it? Many of us ask the same question, maybe not quite uh, about those same things, but still many of us want to know, um, how can I see more of God at work through me and at work through my life? And that's a good question to be asking. And of course, that question comes in many forms, doesn't it? Sometimes it comes with an air of eagerness. Oh, you know, I really want God to use me. How, what can I do to make him use me? Sometimes it comes with a sigh of despair. Oh, I just so long for God to use me. I don't understand, Lord, why you aren't using me in the ways I want you to. And sometimes this question comes with a shot of jealousy, doesn't it? Hold on, you know, how come you're using that person, Lord? How come you're not using me? And of course, we know that this topic is, it is a tough one sometimes. And there are many aspects to how and why God chooses to use us. The answers aren't always simple. Whenever I'm thinking about this topic, um, I always think about um, that young man in Mark chapter 5, whom Jesus sets free from demon possession. And then the young man comes and he begs Jesus to let him follow him. He wants to go on the road with Jesus. And Jesus, maybe rather surprisingly, says to him, uh, no, I want you to go home and tell your hometown about everything that I've done for you. And I just imagine how frustrating and confusing that must have been for that young man. So this topic can be, uh, can be a complicated one. But this morning, we are going to be looking at one thing that we can do. One way that we can prepare to be used by God for his purposes and for his kingdom. So will you pray with me? And then we're going to look at this passage in 2 Timothy together. Lord, we thank you that your word tells us that you have good, 
plans and purposes for each and every one of us. And as we look at this passage and Paul's advice to Timothy, would you be speaking to us too and equipping us to be useful for you? Help me as I speak, I pray. Amen. Amen. So let's take a look at that passage. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 beginning verse 19. Now, it's important to know that the church uh, that Timothy was running in Ephesus at that time was a complete mess. Uh, I don't know whether that you find that encouraging or discouraging, but, it, but the church was a mess. Uh, there were key members of the congregation, leaders in fact, who were spreading the idea, the teaching, that the resurrection from the dead had already happened. And, and not just Jesus' resurrection, but our own resurrection as Christians. And if you think that's bonkers, that's because it is. But it was also really, really destructive. With this uh, teaching and with this idea came all kind of permissiveness for ungodly and immoral behaviour. And basically it was causing a massive disaster in the church. And Paul, amongst other things, is writing to mentor Timothy uh, through leading through this crisis. And uh, our passage today comes in the middle of a section where he's advising uh, Timothy on how to deal with these, uh, these troublemakers in the church. And when we get to our few verses, which form a little subsection, uh, my reading is that it's as if uh, Paul is taking Timothy aside and he's sort of saying, Timothy, Timothy, you know, let's, let's zoom out a bit and remember a few things. Timothy, whenever you... Uh, see the church being a mess and you're frustrated by that. Whenever you see uh, ungodly Christians in the church, whenever you hear people teaching um, that uh, immorality doesn't matter to God, our lives don't really matter to God, you need to remember a few important truths. And he says, Timothy, think of a grand house. Think of a grand house. And... Um, Paul uses this, this image, he introduces this image of the church being a, a grand house. Um, and he uses it to, to highlight um, three truths, three truths that, that's important to remember. And so we're going to have a quick look at our passage and we're going to very briefly just pick out those three true truths, what he's saying here. And then we're going to come back and we're going to ask how this applies to us and this topic of uh, making ourselves useful uh, for God's work and God's purposes. So let's dive into our passage. Three points uh, that Paul makes using this image of a house. And the first one is this. He says, he says to us, he says to Timothy is, not everybody is equally useful to God. Not everybody is equally useful to God. Paul says, uh, look, Timothy, you know, think of a house. Think of, of any house. It in any house, there are different kinds of household objects, aren't there? And they're made of different materials. Some of them are made from fancy china and fine glass, and others are made from more naff disposable materials like, you know, I don't know, plastic or cardboard. And the thing is, Timothy, you don't use, uh, uh, you don't use the, the, the same, uh, this, you know, use different materials for different uses, don't you, Timothy? When you are having the new Vicar round, um, you get the, the, the nice china out, don't you? You know, the Royal Dalton, because, of course, you want to make an impression. Of course you do. 
When you get the uh, very cheap plastic uh, uh, plates out, it's probably because you've gone to new wine and you're camping and you're a little bit worried that when you hand it in for the washing up, it's not going to come back as you're never going to find it again. When you want to serve your honoured guests their elderflower cordial, you obviously use your uh, finest uh, crystal glasses and the best jug you've got in the house, don't you? Whereas, uh, when you're trying to think of a, a second use for an old uh, soda aluminium can, you, you obviously use it, obviously, as the, uh, the head for your watering can, don't you? The point he's trying to make is a, is, is a simple one. Different materials make for different uses in a house. Honourable materials are used for honourable purposes, and those that we are cheap and uh, we, we, we hide away, we don't use them for honourable purposes. Now, elsewhere, Paul uh, uses similar images to this household image um, uh, to, to make a different point. He uses, for example, the image of each of us doing being different parts of a body. Um, and he uses that image to, 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 to sort of say, well, each of us are different. And each of us have a different part to play in God's church and God's kingdom. Some of us are more up front and some of us are more back room. But that doesn't matter. Each of us is important and, and, and that's what matters. And each of us has a purpose. But that's actually not the point that he's making with this illustration here. No, he's using this illustration to, to make a much more uh, unpalatable, difficult to hear uh, point. He's basically saying... Uh, to, to us. He's saying, Timothy, Timothy, don't let anyone kid you that our lives don't matter to God or that uh, our lives don't affect how, how useful we are to him. What we're made of will affect what God uses us for. What we're made of will affect what God uses us for. Not everyone is equally useful to God. That's the first point. The second point he makes here is this. Your purpose is linked to your purity. Your purpose is linked to your purity. I don't know about you, but when I hear Paul making that first point, I get a bit, oh, my, you know, my hackles go up, I get a bit defensive, and I think, no, wait, no, hold on, what, what are you saying, Paul? Are you saying, uh, are you saying that some people aren't good enough, some people aren't skilled enough, eloquent enough, educated enough to be used by God? That's not the God I know. Surely that isn't that isn't fair. But is that what he's saying? Well, let's let's take a closer look. What is it that God loves to have on His table in the place uh, of honor? What what is the silver and the gold uh, that God loves? Uh, he's proud to display and use for His noble purposes. Well, the key is in the verses either side of this image of a household. Verse nineteen and verse. 22. In verse 19, just before he, he comes to this household image, he says this to Timothy. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. And then after this, this image of the house, he then goes back to Timothy and he says, Timothy, flee evil desires and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace along with all of those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Out of a pure heart. 
Friends, the scriptures are clear. We are not saved as Christians because of the good deeds that we do. No, we are saved because of Jesus, because he loved us and died for us. Yet the scriptures are also clear that God doesn't love us because we live good lives. No, he loves us because he made us and because he died for us. It's not because of our good lives. But the scriptures are also clear, they're also clear that um, God does care about our lives and godliness does affect our usefulness. Godliness in our lives honours God and so it makes us more useful for honourable purposes. That is the second point from this little image. Our purpose is linked to our purity. The third point he makes here is this. You can make yourself useful. You can make yourself more useful. All of this can sound, initially at least, uh, pretty, pretty harsh. It can sound like Paul is setting up some stark uh, picture of kind of the elite Christians who've got their lives together and are useful to God on the one hand, and on the other hand, the riffraff Christians who are a bit of a mess and God's a little bit embarrassed of over there. And if that's the way we read it, then of course it does sound very harsh and more than a bit unfair. Until we realise that Paul isn't finished yet. He's not finished with this image or where he's going. If we read on, we realise that Paul isn't making some permanent pronouncement about two groups of people, you know, the useful and the unuseful. No, he's issuing an invitation. Yes, this, this passage uh, is um, a warning. It's a warning that God does require us to put away wickedness and be God in our lives to be, to be used. But it's most of all an invitation. Paul goes on in verse 21 to say this. Those who cleanse themselves, therefore those who cleanse themselves, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy and useful to the master. Most of all, uh, what Paul is trying to issue here is an invitation. And the emphasis here is on our action. He says, those who cleanse themselves. God invites us here to choose to make ourselves more useful for him. To choose to make ourselves useful. So those, those are the three points. I've just very quickly dissected the logic of this passage and what Paul is saying. But now I want to uh, come back and ask how this applies to us and to, to our topic. And I want to draw out two pieces of good news from this passage. Two pieces of good news. And the first one is this. If you want to be useful to God, if you want to be used by God, there is something you can do about it. There is something you can do about it. I had a friend at university who wanted to play blues rugby. And uh, he asked himself, look, how can I get on the team? The thing was, he wasn't absolutely massive, and nor was he particularly skilled at one position. There were a whole number of positions he could have played. And so I remember talking uh, to him about this, and he was asking himself, look, how can I improve my chances of being picked for pretty much any position? And the thing is, there's one thing in rugby that will help in pretty much every position, and that's getting fitter and getting faster. 
And so he said to himself, look, look, I'm not the captain. I can't make the captain pick me. But, but I know what I'm going to do to prepare myself for any position so that I've got more chance of being picked. And he went away and decided he was going to get fitter and faster than any other member of the team. And that's what he did for months and months. He trained and eventually it paid off and he did actually get to play blues, uh, uh, blues rugby. Now, I find this analogy helpful. I find it helpful for two reasons. The first one is this. I think in God's economy, godliness is like fitness. Godliness is like fitness. It's useful for every position. In uh, his first letter, uh, when Paul's writing to Timothy, in his first letter, he, he says this. Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Training yourself to be godly. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. I don't know about you, but to me that sounds remarkably similar to what Paul seems to be saying here in his second letter. Timothy, those who cleanse themselves from wickedness, they make themselves useful for God and, did you notice, and prepared for any good work. Prepared for any good work. Godliness is like fitness because it's useful for any position. Friends, you and I are not the captain. We don't get to decide which position we're picked for. It is God in his sovereignty uh, who chooses when and what he wants to use us for. And that can at times, I know, be very frustrating. But we have been told here that there is something we can do to make ourselves more useful. Something more useful for every position. And it is to choose, it is choose godliness. It is choose to put away wickedness. And as Timothy is told here, to pursue the things of God. Righteousness, love and faith in our lives. That's the first reason I find this analogy helpful. Godliness is like fitness. It prepares us for any position. The second reason I find this a helpful analogy is because my friend prepared before he was picked. He prepared before he was picked. I think so many Christians forfeit the chance of being used by God because they think that it works the other way around. They think, well, if God picked me or if God called me or if he started to use me in some really big way, then I would sort out my life. If I, I don't know, became a full-time minister or a full-time missionary, or maybe I got, got asked to serve in some massive way at church or somewhere else, then, then I would start investing properly in my relationship with God. Then I'd start dealing with my greed and my hidden anger, my laziness or my bad habits. But the problem is, that's like saying, well, if and when the, the, the captain picks me, then I'll get fit. But that's just not really how it works. Yes, in the scriptures, we do see that God can use anyone. Um, and he, he does pick people out from nowhere, take them on journey, cleaning them up. And he does that with us on the way too. He teaches us and changes on the way. But it's equally true. It's equally true 
Um, and, and we see this clearly in our passage here, that generally what God is looking for when he's looking for people to use is he's looking for godliness. He's looking for availability. The scriptures tell us that our God is a God who loves to give purpose to those who are pure in heart. Those who have set their lives on him. Our God is a God who loves to lift up those who have already humbled themselves before him. Our God is a God who loves to honour those who first chosen to honour him. So if we want to be used by God, we have to prepare before we're picked. If you want to be used by God at work, for example, maybe start with what goes on at home. If you want to be used on the stage, then start with your secret life, what goes on in the hidden place. If you want to use to speak for God, we need to learn to, to listen, to hear what he's saying, to soak ourselves in his scriptures. If you want to lead, we have to learn, first of all, to follow. We, ser we serve a God who loves those uh, who've learned obedience and humility. If you want to change the world for God, we need to begin by asking him, inviting him to shed his light on what he wants to change in our lives first. The good news is, the good news is that if we want God to use us, there is something we can do about it. Godliness is like fitness. It prepares us for every position. And godliness, uh, godliness it, it is something that we can prepare before we're picked. So will we invest? Will we do what God has given us to do? The second piece of good news uh, is this. Our God is a master alchemist. Our God is a master alchemist. Uh, maybe you've heard of it before, but alchemy is the mythical uh, medieval art of turning uh, other materials into gold. Probably the most famous alchemist is Rumpelstiltskin from the fairy tale, um, who uh, spun straw into gold. But of course, in the real world, uh, alchemy isn't actually possible. Except it appears that it is for God. It appears that it is for God. Our passage tells us that our God is an expert in turning uh, rubbish into gold and then using it for his amazing purposes. Think of, think of uh, uh, Moses the murderer. Think of Gideon the coward. Thinking, think of Rahab the prostitute. Think of Matthew the collaborator. And I know that our passage uh, does uh, focus on and emphasise our part, our choice to cleanse ourselves. And I'm not trying to uh, cut back on that. We, but nonetheless, I think we shouldn't miss the other bit of this good news here. Uh, which is that Paul seems to be suggesting that in God's hands, wood and clay can become silver and gold. And the last thing I, I therefore I want to say before I finish is that if there are any of us here who might have written ourselves off from being used by God, maybe we are new to being Christians or, um, or we're returning to Christianity and we're looking at our lives and we think, wow, my life is a mess. Stuart, if you're telling me that God looks for purity in lives, then there's no way God's going to use me. 
Or maybe we, we've been Christians for a long time, but we've never dealt with some big things in our lives. And there are some things under the surface or not so under the surface that we haven't dealt with. And we're, we just say, well, OK, in which case God's never really going to use me. Well, if that's us and that's what we're saying, then we need to hear. We need to hear a few things. First of all, you need to hear that God wants to use you. God has good purposes, noble purposes for each and every one of us. And he wants to use us. But also, if we will give our lives to him, he's an expert in turning rubbish into gold. He is an expert in cleaning up lives, polishing them, and bringing them around, changing them, their very material, and making us useful for him in his kingdom. Probably, to me anyway, the most startling thing about this passage um, is that when uh, Paul is talking here about the invitation to cleanse ourselves and make ourselves useful again, for God's kingdom. Um, all of the scholars suggest that probably as he's talking about this, foremost in his mind are the very people who are ruining Timothy's church. Probably at the forefront of his mind are the very uh, people who are immoral and heretical and destroying the church. And that is so encouraging. Yes, on the one hand, this is this is a, a, a warning. He's saying, look, Timothy, don't kid, you, don't kid yourself. Don't let them kid you. God looks for, 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 we have to put away wickedness and he looks for purity to be able to use us. But there's also the invitation, and it's even for them, those people, that if we cleanse ourselves, God is able to make us useful again. And if that invitation is offered to them, then surely it's offered to us. There is hope for us too. It's good news. It's good news that God doesn't say anywhere in the scriptures that the, the kind of people he uses are only those who are educated, efficient, well off, influential or have been Christians for 20, 30 years. He doesn't say that. And if we think if we think God's going to use us because of those things, we're wrong. That's not what God is looking for. Here and in many other places, God tells us. What he's looking for is those who will seek him first, those who are available, those who will cleanse themselves by turning away from wicked things in their lives, turning to him, seeking his righteousness, faith and love. And the wonderful, wonderful news is our God is a master alchemist. And if we give him his life, our lives to him, he's an expert in turning rubbish into gold. Let me pray for us as we finish there. Lord, we thank you so much um, that you are you have good purposes for each and every one of us. And thank you that um, as well as wanting to use us, you are able to change us. By your spirit, uh, you can flood us with your strength. And I pray that you'll be prodding us this morning, putting on our hearts to be more useful to you and putting on our hearts uh, to purify our lives, ready to do any good work you might bring our way. Lord, it's our prayer as individuals and as a church to come and use us for your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to finish there and we're gonna, now going to move into a time of prayer.